All right. Well, welcome to midweek service. Uh, here we are talking again about uh, things regarding change. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, truth, doctrine, uh, specifically some biblical principles. Um, when we have to start talking about doctrine that we see over there in um, uh, what Paul was telling Timothy about uh, what uh, Scripture is profitable for, that first one he talks about is doctrine, and um, we're going to see what that doctrine entails. We know that uh, obviously what we talked about last week was uh, the inclusion of truth in that. Uh, that becomes a very uh, important principle because um, regardless of what uh, uh, what we think, uh, a lot of times we do wind up uh, kind of lying to ourselves, and we have to uh, ensure that what we're saying matches uh, the truth from the Word of God. So we have to take a look at a couple of uh, biblical principles tonight in that regards about it, uh, about when situations happen and occur, what we do, and uh, um, what that change looks like. Well, let's go ahead and pray, and uh, we'll get started tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, again, we just come to you tonight uh, just thankful that we have this time and opportunity. Lord, thankful for the freedom that we st- still have here, and uh, Lord, the... Um, the word that you've given to us, that you've uh, used it to uh, guide us and direct us uh, throughout this study and throughout our lives. And I pray, Lord, that tonight uh, we would just continue to have that heart and continue to have that desire. I thank you again, Lord, that you've uh, given us uh, your Holy Spirit to teach us and um, to uh, comfort us during these times uh, when we do need change. And Lord, I just pray that as we learn these principles tonight, that, uh, Lord, we would just retain them. You'd help us to hide them in our hearts and uh, that, Lord, it would keep us from sin and that it would keep us uh, um, out of the paths of the wicked. But, Lord, it would be in the path of your will and your righteousness. I pray, Lord, you just give me strength this evening. And again, Lord, I thank you for all that you've done for us um, in, uh, in, in our health and in our care. Thank you again for uh, Bob Ferguson's surgery going well. Lord, I pray you just continue to heal him up and um, bring him back to us uh, healthy, Lord. And I thank you again for all that you've done for us. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, we're going to start actually in uh, 1 Peter tonight. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. And we're going to see this principle that uh, Peter talks about. Um, you know, change is not just something that we find in the book of Proverbs or in the book of Psalms or uh, in uh, the Pauline epistles, but we see it throughout Scripture, throughout uh, everything that uh, God talks about. And uh, uh, it uh, says right here in verse 1, it says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of the men, a lust of men, but to the will of God. Now this is an important principle, because when we start talking about change, the the purpose behind this is how do we get change that actually lasts? That isn't going to be something that's just, as we see often, a flash in the pan. I mean, again, we, we we talk about this when we first started. We talk about New Year's resolutions. How often do New Year's resolutions get broken? How many of them are actually kept? Very few. You know, within the first two weeks, majority of the New Year's resolutions are already out the window. 
you know, you get all these people that talk about, you know, these New Year's resolutions, I'm going to start eating better. I'm going to start doing what's, you know, those things, and then inevitably what happens? Somebody brings a, a, you know, a full box of donuts to the office, or somebody brings in cake, or somebody stops by and visits you and, and, and drops off this, you know, freshly baked, all warm, uh, uh, you know, a pie or something and, and, and hands it to you. And you're just like, oh, okay, well, here we go. That, that, that resolution that, uh, that, uh, if you will, desire to change just kind of goes out the window. But when we're talking about things that are, are scriptural and things that are dealing with sin and things that are dealing with righteousness, we want to make sure that we get that change that is going to be a long-lasting change. So the two principles uh, that we'll hopefully get through tonight, if not, we'll, we'll, we'll pick them up uh, next week. But the two principles that we want to talk about are this, what do we do when we get into trouble and what do we do to stay out of that trouble? And I want to start with the second one first, you know, the long-lasting change. Because we have to enter into it with that premeditation of, I want to make this change last. I don't want this to be something that is just, you know, here today and then gone tomorrow and and, and, and not actually have any long-lasting change in my life. I want the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to actually accomplish something in me because I'm yielded to them and their power is what I need in my life to make that change and to make that change continue. Because we don't want to just do a change for the sake of that one moment. We want to do a change that keeps us from sin. You know, obviously the psalmist writes, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The concept behind that is the more Bible, the more scripture that is in there, the more tools the Holy Spirit has to use to make sure that those change it, it takes place and to keep us from, if you will, needing to have some of that change occur. If we stay out of sin, then we don't have any biblical or excuse me, sinful habits to, to replace with the biblical uh, um, principles because we're already operating in the biblical principles. So when we talk about this, we're talking about a change that, if you will, is for the long haul. It's going to last a long time. And there's a couple of passages of scripture that we have to take a look at that, that show that this is something that even Jesus Christ was talking about. Let's go over to the book of Matthew. I want you to go to Matthew and Mark. Obviously they're close by each other. We're going to take a look at, uh, four different, uh, passages. Um, but they're all going to have the same principle. They're all, you know, parallel passages, um, in, in Matthew and in Mark, but uh, we're going to see a couple of verses that, that Jesus Christ talks about in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, <clears throat> here, uh, it just, you know, again, for this context, he says in verse 27, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a man to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Now, these verses right here that are clumped together, there's a purpose behind them. Now, obviously, he's he, he's introducing some things 
uh, regarding the kingdom of heaven. And that's how he starts off this chapter talking about uh, uh, the entrance into the kingdom of heaven, that physical millennial reign. He's talking about certain things that they need to make sure that they're doing. Um, so, so there's a, there is a very much a, a, um, an applicable doctrine to individuals here, but we find that there's a, an applicable doctrine to us because again, all scripture is, is applicable. I mean, there's an application behind it. It's profitable to us. Let's take a look at another passage. Keep those ones in mind and go over again to, uh, the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, and in uh, verse uh, 8, it says, Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet, to be cast into everlasting fire. If thy eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. So, I mean, he, he, he makes it very clear here about this process. Let's take a look at the book of Mark now. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. <clears throat> Mark chapter 9. And he says in verse 43... And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off, for it is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. And he says in verse 45, if thy foot offend thee, cut it off, for it is better for thee to enter into, to enter, uh, halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched. Now, now, obviously, we understand some things about this, about the life that he's talking about, and not necessarily eternal life. Because if you lose an arm or a leg in this life, guess what's going to happen when you get your new body? You're going to have an arm and a leg. So we obviously know that there's a context behind it, but there's a principle that is being mentioned here. There's a principle that he's, he's, he's talking about. And this is what we call radical amputation. I mean, if you're really in that position where you've got a, a, a problem, in order to make sure that it does not continue in your life, what you have to do is you go through a process of radically cutting it off. Now, I'm not saying physically go outside and get a chainsaw and go to town. Okay, that's that, that's not what I'm saying here. And, and, and the principle that we find here is what God's talking about and what Jesus Christ is teaching is that he's teaching that there needs to be some sort of action in your life that is going to keep you from continuing in the same sin. In the same sin. This is what we call this radical amputation. Things have to be cut off. Uh, again, these are what we would call preventative measures. Preventative measures. I'll give you an example. You know, if somebody has a, 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 a problem, let's say they have a problem gambling or something of that nature, and they're losing all their money. Well, then there should be something that is set in place to prevent them from doing that. <laughs> Excuse me. To prevent them from doing that, there needs to be some sort of radical amputation, especially in their, their heart and their thought life, about what that is. 
And again, there has to be something that is put in place to help them and to keep them from this. So we see some physical things that are being mentioned here to help prevent those things from entering into spiritual sin, to enter into those uh, that sinful pattern, that sinful behavior. Because the idea behind these, this, if you will, this plucking out of the eye and cutting off of uh, of the hand and the foot is to deter the, the the perpetuation of sin in a person's life. So, in order to make that change and that change last, one of the things you have to do is you have to go through a a a, a thought process of okay, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to make sure that I don't do this by doing X, Y, and Z. You know, uh, um, there's there's certain things that you can put in place. Maybe uh, he puts restrictions. On uh, his account uh, to, to prevent the gambling, uh, you know, somebody that has an addiction and maybe they put certain things in place to keep them away from those things or, or things of that nature. You know, with uh, certain uh, um, situations, there are um, medications that are out there that are used for people that are uh, um, that are alcoholics. They're, they, they just can't stay away from alcohol. And they give these pills to these individuals. And they take these pills, and if they drink alcohol while they're taking these pills, they will be so sick that they will wish that they had never picked it up ever in their life. It makes them physically sick. Now, again, these are all some physical things that we're talking about, but what I want us to understand is that this is something that has to be a desire in the heart. We have to cut the desires off. We have to cut the thoughts off. And that means that if you have to do something that is outside of your character and outside of what we normally would do, that may actually take up more time or may cost us money or may uh, uh, cost us, uh, uh, you know, something that we want to do, then so be it. We have to view everything that is in this physical life as unimportant when compared to doing what is right spiritually. So we have to, we, we have to operate from that principle. We have to operate from that, that mindset. So the idea behind this is, is that we prevent that automatic, if you will, uh, habitual sin that just keeps coming up, that just keeps coming up, that just keeps coming up. You know, people will get into these patterns of sin and they just enter into the same behavior and the same behavior over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And the, and the end result is, is what? The end result is, is that people will, 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 will just be, say, well, I'm in a pattern and I can never change. Now we know that that's unscriptural. We know that that's not something that, that, that is biblical in any way, shape or form. God says that we can make the change. God says that all things are possible through him. So we have to enter into that mindset. We have to enter into that mindset. So here we are looking at how do we cut these things off? How do we get rid of them? Well, here he makes it very clear in these passages that he's saying to them, you have to view what's on the other side as more important than what is currently going on. Than the pleasing of it. Than the pleasing of it. We have to make it so difficult to sin in the same manner. We, we have to put things in place. 
scripturally, biblically. You know, I've used the example where the one individual was having an affair in a counseling, and this is not, this is a case study that was done. And this husband and wife, they come into a pastor for counseling, and the pastor's talking to them, finds out the husband's having an affair, decides that, well, you know, we need to do some radical amputation. And he's there, and he's like, you have a key to her house. And he goes, yes. He says, give it to me. Gives it to, to, to him and he says, what are you going to do? He says, I'm going to mail it to her. What's her address? Gives it, gets the address. And he says, do you drive by her house? He goes, yeah, I drive by her house and her street. He says, I want you to go out of your way. I want you to do, do, go out of your way by like, you know, five or six miles. Go out of your way. Go the roundabout way. He's like, well, that's just going to take more time to get to work and things like that. And he goes, yeah, it is. But it's going to keep you from having that temptation entering into your mind. It's going to keep you from that. He's like, give me your phone. He looks at the contact and he says, we're going to delete it. Going to delete it. Numbers are blocked. It's deleted. It's gone. That's radical amputation. He's like, well, I need to talk. And he's like, no, no, you don't. You just need to say it's over and, and, and it's done. He says, I'll tell her it's over and it's done. Whatever it is, it just has to stop immediately. Not dragging the thing out. And this, this becomes, you know, again, this mindset of, of, of I want to make it so difficult in my life to sin that it's easier for me to do the right thing. It's easier for me to enter into the right paths because those are the habits that are already pre-existing. Those are the habits that are already pre-existing. Notice, if you go back over there to Matthew, <laughs> Matthew chapter 5, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5 and in verse 29, I want you to notice uh, uh, the thing that he says here. He says, if thy right eye, in verse 29, offend thee. In verse 30, he says, if thy right hand offend thee. He says, cut it off. You, you, you go back over there into um, Matthew chapter 18, and he, he, he talks about, uh, um, you know, the, the hand and the foot, and, and uh, uh, or, excuse me, in Mark uh, chapter 9, again, talking about those things. And notice that he uses those words right. Right. Now, obviously, from this perspective, when we take a look at this, and if you, again, notice that in verse 43 of uh uh, um, uh, of, uh, uh, first 43 and verse 45, where he's talking about the, the hand and the foot offending, he, he gets very specific in Matthew. And the reason he gets very specific in Matthew is because he wants us to understand that it's valuable. If you're right-handed, how valuable is your right hand? It's immensely. It's how you write. It's how you eat. It's how you do everything. It's how you dress yourself. I mean, if you've ever injured yourself and you've injured your dominant hand, it creates a problem. It creates a problem. I, I've broken my left arm before uh, when I was younger. It didn't create so much of a problem because I was right-handed. But later on in life when I was an adult, I had strained something in my right hand 
and, and I had a hard time gripping things and, and moving it. It just didn't have the strength and I had to, to build it back up. But you know what? That was tough. It was tough. Just trying to do daily, day-to-day functions, try to pick up a fork. It, it, it's hard. It's hard. You know, just, just, just so you can get in a mindset of what Christ is talking about, you know, it, 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 today, tomorrow, whatever it is, you know, take away and put away your dominant hand and start doing everything with your other hand. It's not easy. It's not easy. You know, and even furthermore, when we start looking at things, we realize that we have a dominant eye. There is an eye that you see most of the world through. For me, my dominant eye happens to be my left eye. I, I'm more dominant with my left eye. So basically, when I'm looking at things, I'm always kind of looking at it through my left eye. It seems very weird for me to do this, close this eye, and start looking through everything this way. It seemed Everything seems off to me. So there's the dominant eye. Let's say I lose my dominant eye. Let's say I lose my good eye. Now what? We have to begin to approach it as, okay, am I willing to get rid of what I think is valuable for the purpose of making that change? Am I willing to get rid of what I think is valuable for the purpose of doing God's will? I mean, we read that verse over there in 1 Peter chapter 4, where it says to do the will of God, not to do what man wants to do. And, and when we think about it, it's generally what we want to do. It's generally what, what, what our mindset is. So I'll tell you one of the things that often it gets radically amputated when it comes to, 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 to making a change. One of the things that get radically amputated is your will. Your will gets cut off. It gets thrown into the fire. What you want is not as important as what God wants. It's not as valuable as what God wants. We get into a mindset because we're, we're, we're often, you know, kind of, if you will, societally told that, that you are the most important person in your life. Well, you're not. You're, you're, you're not. You know who the most important one is? God, yeah. Jesus, <laughs> right? <clears throat> That, 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 that's the most important one. So we have to ask ourselves, okay, am I willing to, to, to sacrifice what I want? But I might be sacrificing my happiness. Yeah, your sacrifice might go into the fire. Where that sacrifice is going to be, you know, that, that happiness is only temporary. There's pleasures of sin for a what? Season. Pleasures of sin for the season. Consequences? They're not so pleasurable. They're often very harsh and very, very, very disconcerting and very uncomfortable and very frightening. We live in a society today where there are, where there are none. We were talking about before started service. You know, you think about this and, and again, I'm not trying to, to make anything, any specific political statement or anything of that nature. I just want to point this out. You know, we live in a, in a world today in, in, in a, uh, the United States where it's more fashionable to make uh, a bunch of laws for law-abiding people than to actually go after the person that commits a crime with the firearm. 
as an example. person that commits a crime with a firearm, we should automatically tag on 30 years. You're like, well, that's too harsh. Mm, depending on the crime, no, not really. Well, we need to give them a chance. Well, they kind of blew that chance. They kind of blew that chance. You realize, yes, we have multiple chances in life to trust Christ as our Savior, but we've got one life, so essentially we've got one chance. We've got one chance in this life to trust Christ as our Savior, and if we don't do it by the time we're dead, it's too late. It's too late. Hell awaits you. Lake of fire awaits you. Because you rejected God. You rejected his principles. That becomes an important, you know, mindset. So when we start looking at this and we start thinking about it, is it really truly worth it for me to have these, these things? Or do these need to be sacrificed in a fire? Do I need to get rid of them? And, and, and sometimes, sometimes that's what we have to do. This is Jesus Christ's principle that he's teaching here. He's saying, look, you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven? You want a life in that 1,000 literal year reign of Jesus Christ? He's not talking about saints that have trusted Christ as their Savior. He says, you got to do something. If you have a problem stealing, you better cut that hand off. You have a problem going into the wrong place, you better cut that foot off. Better to be walking with a limp, dragging your, 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 your leg around, than to actually enter into that kingdom with a bunch of sin. Because God's not going to allow it. God's not going to allow it. Well, any reign of Jesus Christ is going to be far different than what it is right now. Consequences? Immediate. Consequences? What we would consider harsh. I mean, right then and there, lake of fire, in you go. You want to you, you, you want to do something that is outside of what God wants us uh, to do? There's an immediate punishment. There's immediate punishment. <clears throat> Here comes the real situation. You know, we look at these verses in verse 29. It says, if I write, I offend thee. And this is how we have to look at it. We don't like being offended, do we? Being offended is, 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 is something that just really irks us from time to time. Somebody cuts us off on the freeway. They've offended us. Somebody tells us that, that, that we're number one or they're showing us their IQ, however you want to put it. What happens? We're offended. Somebody calls us a name. We're offended. Right? And sometimes we, we, we get seriously offended by some of those small things. And sometimes there's pretty big offenses. But when's the last time we sat down and looked at how offensive sin is, not only to God, but to us? It's offensive to you. We may not immediately see it. We may think that there's a pleasure in it. But there's an offense against you now. So if your hand is sitting there, you know, saying, hey, I want to do this, I want to take this, it doesn't belong to me, and you're like, no, this is going to cause a problem. It's offending me. You're even insinuating or even suggesting that I do those things. You cut it off. It's an offense. You remove it. 
The same thing has to be true with our heart and our, and our thought life. Because that's where it all originates. Before it ever gets to the hand, it's got to be something that's dealt with the heart. And this is what, this is what Christ is getting at. I mean, how many of us would be really truly willing to go through that far? I mean, yeah, there was a guy that got caught in those rocks and he had to take his, his dull little pocket knife and, and, and cut his arm off so he could get free. And you're like, well, that's a horrible story. Yeah, it is. He lived. Otherwise he was going to die. Otherwise he was going to die. We have to get to this concept where we begin to realize that what God is telling us is that he and his ways and his path, his truth is more important. And that's where the real truth lies. This is a biblical doctrinal principle. You can't ignore it. Because if you're going to disregard it, then, then, then you know what? <clears throat> uh, basically, you're going to just continue in that same sin. If you disregard these type of precautions that he's putting out, you're disregarding these preventative measures against future sin in your life, it, 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 basically what you're indicating is, is that you're not willing to repent. You're not willing to repent. Now, repentance is a big thing in the Word of God. It's a big thing in the Christian life. If you've got something in your life that you're unrepentant of, you're basically just kind of, if you will, scoffing at God. Saying what he says doesn't matter. You're not willing to receive the truth. And this is where we as Christians, we have to go that direction. I mean, we're believers, right? We're believers. And the same concept is when we start talking about, you know, you know, if you will, uh, getting out of trouble when we're immediately in it. We're talking about staying out of trouble. It's the way to stay out of trouble is to not get into it in the first place. And the way to stay out of it is to make sure that we cut off anything that is going to be offensive and anything that is going to cause us to go towards that path of sin or make it easier for us to sin. So we have to go that direction. We have to go that direction. It is just in an unrepentant heart. An unrepentant condition is not something that God likes. Why? Because it is a pride-filled. It is a pride-filled heart. Doesn't he say that he is nigh to those that are of a broken heart and a contrite spirit? Those are the things that he wants. Why? Because that shows repentance. It shows repentance. When we draw nigh to him, it means that we are forsaking everything else. We're forsaking the sin. We're forsaking all of those things that, 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 that could be a problem or uh, um, uh, uh, drag us into temptation and sin. He gives us a means of escaping, and sometimes that escaping means that you got to radically cut it off. you got a friendship. Sometimes you got to radically cut it off. You just have to say, look, I can't do this anymore because you're leading me into the path of sin. Sorry. I can't, I, I, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll pray for you, but I cannot enter into this, into this kind of a relationship. You got to be careful with those things. Got to be careful with those things. So we have to make sure that when we, we're, we're doing this, we're doing it again 
from a scriptural perspective. A scriptural perspective. You know, <clears throat> here's one of the issues that happens and occurs is often, you know, a person that is in trouble, they're, they're, they're way too eager to end the process. They want to end the consequences. They want to end, um, what's happening. They just, they just want to, they just want it all to stop. And when they get too eager to do that and they start, if you will, not following through with the process, not start, and again, we're starting with truth here, but we understand there's three other parts of this. There is a corrective process that's a lot more extensive when we get into the correction part of it. But, but, uh, you know, when, when many people, they just, they get through like the first one or two steps and then they stop. They don't want to continue any farther in that because it's like, okay, the, the, there's an immediate relief of the pain. There's immediate relief of the situation. Uh, you know, the first sign that that's gone, whoa, whew, I made it through it. No. No. Just because that immediate might be past does not mean that we're susceptible to it coming back. We have to make sure that what we're doing is a, if you will, a long-term change, long-lasting change, a real change that is, that is, uh, done and performed by the Holy Spirit using the Word of God in our life. Not so that we do it for, you know, a month and then we turn around and we stop and we go back to our old ways. He says that we're changed, right? He says that we're a new creature. Those old things are passed away. All things have become new. We have to have those new desires and that new thought life that basically will say, okay, how is this going to please God? Before you do anything, before you say anything, your heart has a purpose in its, you know, with the word of God to say, is this going to please God? And if you're going to seriously ask yourself that question, you have to know what the Word of God says. So what does that mean? Study to show thyself approved unto God. Workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. How are you going to discern? How are you going to discern? How are you going to judge things? The Bible, you know, over there, people will always take that verse, judge not lest you be judged. Don't judge me. Okay, I get it. I understand. I, I, I get what they're saying with that. But he then turns around and in the same same passage tells us to exercise righteous judgment. So when he says, judge not lest you be judged, he's saying, don't judge unrighteously. Don't judge in the flesh. Don't judge in emotion and don't judge in those the, the, that type of concept. So we, we, we really have to truly look at all that. So, you know, these people, they'll get into that mindset. A believer will get into that mindset. Okay, it's immediately relieved. I'm good. I'm off the hook. Everything's fine. No, it's not. You have to go about making sure that it never happens ever again. You have to, you, you have to purpose. This is why sin comes back. This is why sin comes back. Because there has been no purposing to make sure it stays away. It's a biblical principle. You know, the process doesn't end once it, 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 it you know, there's a, an arrival of any type of relief. 
So what do we have to do here? We have to, if you will, root out that pattern of sin. Turn over to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, and uh, um, we go through this this last part of the passage where he's talking about sin and what sin does. And uh, he says in verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin, understanding that there is a right way and a wrong way to do things, understanding the difference between the physical and the spiritual. He says, For that which I do, I allow not. For that, uh, for, for what I would... That I do not, but what I hate, that I do. He's saying, I do the things in the flesh that I shouldn't do, and when I want to do something spiritual, it's difficult for me. And the process behind this is because there is a pattern that has to be eliminated. And he goes through this, and he he keeps talking about it. He says, uh, as he continues on in this, he says... In verse 18, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. And he talks about this war. That's going on in the mind. Now, now here's the thing: is, is he's not saying, "Well, it's just hopeless. You're going to have to deal with your flesh for the rest of your life, and you're going to have to deal with those consequences. You're going to have to deal with all those things." He's not. He's not saying that. He's not going that route. What he's going uh, is he's getting to this part where, in verse 25, he says, "I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord." So then, with the mind, I serve the uh, uh, serve the law of God. I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He's saying, if I'm going to be in a spiritual mindset, I'm going to serve God's law. But if I'm going to be in a fleshly mindset, I'm going to serve sin. So we have to choose who we're going to serve. He just talked about that in chapter 6. And he gets to that point where he gets to Romans chapter 12. Where there's the thought process in that transformation of the way we think. So we have to root out that problem. We have to root out that pattern. And it becomes, it becomes wholly dependent on the Holy Spirit and His Word. If you will turn over to, to, to Luke chapter 9, I want you to see something here. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. <clears throat> Luke chapter 9, and in verse uh, 23, here's Jesus Christ saying uh, this, and he said uh, to them all, if a man, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He's saying, look, here, here's the situation. You have to tell yourself you're not that important. That doesn't sound like what the world teaches us. He says, look, if you really truly want to do what is right, 
you get rid of your will and you take up Christ. You follow him. You follow him. If you're so busy following Jesus Christ and what he does, you're not going to have time for yourself to gratify sin. It's the way it works. Because then your whole life becomes dedicated to him, following Christ, following him. I want us to uh, take a look at one other verse here, and we're going to take a look at the second principle, and I'm going to be quick about this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians 10, and there is that verse 13, he says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So here we are talking about uh, the long term, staying out of trouble. Well, how do we get out of it immediately? Well, part of this is this understanding that uh, we realize that the authority is from God. The ability is from God. I mean, take a look at what it says there. Does it say that uh, you can do it on your own? Or does it say it's all about God's faithfulness? It's not about how faithful you are. It's about how faithful he is. So when we realize this, we realize that this authority is from God. We realize that all authority is from God. The, the first thing we do is when we get into trouble is we have to realize that's my first thought. It's my first stop. I want to enter into this mindset. I want to enter into a mindset where as we follow this, this verse, we realize that it's God's faithfulness. And we believe that. We believe that. A lot of times you, you know, people will quote this verse, but they don't actually really truly mean it in their heart. They haven't realized the, the, the power of God and the authority of God in their life. And the end result is what? They, 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 they get into trouble. They get into trouble. To get out of trouble, you take the escape route. You take the escape route that he's clearly outlined to get out of that. Well, how, well, how does that work? Take a look at verse 14. Wherefore, my uh, dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Run. Run. Sometimes it is that simple. Go the other direction. Walk away from it. Leave it behind. Don't entertain it. Don't be there in the first place. Flee from idolatry. Understanding when we put ourselves on the throne of, of, of our life and we follow what we want to do versus what God wants us to do, his will. That's idolatry. That's idolatry. And, you know, here, here we have this situation and, and we can look at it and, and 
you know, a believer, and I, and I want you to understand, I'm saying this, this specifically using this terminology, a believer continues in sin because he has not actually, if you will, uh, taken up or availed himself of what God has clearly given him, uh, Christ's strength. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Again, it's not our faithfulness, it's his faithfulness. It's, it's his faithfulness. That's, that's the issue. And I say a believer because we're talking about somebody that's trusted Christ as their savior, and then they turn around and then they act like they don't believe this verse. That's, that's a hard thing. If we're going to try to get out of trouble, we have to believe this verse. If we're going to get out of the sinful situation, we have to believe this verse. God has made it so that we can get out of it. We are not trapped in sin for eternity. You are not trapped in a sinful pattern for eternity. You're not trapped in a sinful behavior for eternity. Or even your entire life here on earth. There is an escape route. And a lot of times, you know, a Christian doesn't want to believe that. They don't want to believe that. And what happens when that occurs is it allows another sin of hopelessness to creep into the mind, to creep into the heart. And that idea of hopelessness is, is, is founded and rooted in the fact that there's a denial of the Word of God. That the Word of God is, doesn't have an answer for me, that the Word of God is not going to help me, that the Word of God isn't powerful enough, that it's that. Now, now again, that's why the failure occurs. Because there is a lack of believing that God's word is true. And that's how we get into trouble. To get out of that trouble in the immediate, you have to believe that God's got the answer. You believe that God's got the answer, he'll give you some immediate results. And then you turn around and you say, well, I want to make sure that this is lasting change, so I stay out of trouble, so I'm going to believe the Word of God, and I'm going to follow after that. And if that means i got to cut stuff off, that means i got to cut stuff off. That becomes the mindset. That becomes the mindset. Now, this is just, you know, again, starting some biblical principles here as we talk about what truth is. Biblical principles have to be understood as truth. They have to be understood as what uh, what God is clearly identifying as what we need in our life. Not a bunch of lies. Not a bunch of things that the world's going to tell us. Not a bunch of things that the next psychotherapist is going to tell us. But the things that God clearly tells us that we need to do. This is where we go back to that principle. I want you to go over to 2 Timothy one last time. We'll close a little bit early with this. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter chapter three, <clears throat> and I want to read this one part because in verse fourteen he says, "But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus." that desire 
to stick with the Word of God. The desire to go back to what we've heard. That becomes the principle. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this time. I thank you again for, Lord, an opportunity to be in your Word. thank you again for uh, what you're teaching us throughout this. I pray, Lord, that we would take these principles and we would begin to use them and, um, you know, uh, have them be in our life in such a way, Lord, that we please you and honor you and do your will. Thank you again for those that are here. I pray you take us home safely tonight. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.